Rivalry week in the Big Ten is here, and while some of the secondary rivalries like Purdue and Indiana and Michigan and Ohio State uh, have been canceled by COVID-19, the biggest of them all remains. The battle for the land-grant trophy is on deck as Michigan State and Penn State will battle for the hideously delicious prize this Saturday at Beaver Stadium in Happy Valley. Uh, Matt Wenzel will tell us why it is, in fact, the greatest trophy in all of sports on episode 13 of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. It is Thursday, December 10, 2020. I'm Brandon Champion. Kyle Austin is also with us. And, and Matt, the fierce Michigan State-Penn State rivalry is back where it belongs in the final game of the regular season. Uh, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm fine. I'm still struggling to try and figure out a way to phrase regular season finale crossover or champions week. I'll, I don't know how any of that works. I, I always I just keep saying the last scheduled opponent because well, I don't know what next week's going to bring. I don't know who they're playing, where they're playing or if the game will even happen based on, you know, how things have been. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna, it'll be weird. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's a day by day thing. Uh, Kyle, did you have any thoughts on on that beautiful piece of hardware up for grabs this weekend? Uh, only that I'm glad that I don't have to lift it and uh, and carry it anywhere because I've heard it. I've heard it to bear. But no, I uh, lo- love to see the Gr- the land grant trophy. One of the one of the highlights of the year. I think it's 60, <laughs> 63 pounds. I'll have to go back and 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 double check <laughs> this. But Michigan State actually got uh, foyed for that a few years back. <laughs> <laughs> For the weight of the probably, trophy. probably uh, from that guy who runs the land grant trophy Twitter account. He, oh, he has yeah, got some right. serious passion. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> I can't remember who did it, but uh, but somebody <laughs> foiled for it. And uh, okay, it's uh, looks like seventy six pounds apparently. So yeah, Jeez. it's as heavy as it is ugly. So. 76 pounds of glory i i always i always thought it looked like someone like someone's dad found like an old bowling trophy in the basement and then just sort of looked around their garage and sort of just attached random things to it just to be like oh that that looks good oh look there's a shelf let's yeah. put something there you know yeah <laughs> uh, nitty yeah. lion looks like a phone from the 1980s <laughs> the the funny thing was like that was like george Perlis's baby you know, like everybody would make fun of it, except George Perlis, you know, thought that it was like so pretty. So I, I guess today, this year is like a, a tribute year to George Perlis. Maybe we all have to act like it's pretty just this year for, for Perlis' sake. I don't know. Well, Mel Tucker, I, I mean, had, a, Mel Tucker had a great line about it on Tuesday when he was asked about it. And he said he hadn't evaluated his aesthetics. And then <laughs> clearly he had because he said ugly trophies, ugly babies. You want to have them. So I've, that was a great line. Yeah, that was a- that's an A plus quote from Mel Tucker right there. Yeah, I, I also think it's funny though. Like, it's called the Land Grant Trophy, but it, aren't the majority of the universities in the Big Ten land grant schools? Like, it's not really specific to Penn State and Michigan State, is it? I think they were the first two. First two, yeah, I think. Yeah, so. <laughs> not that anybody, okay. not that any fans. I think they even fight over who was the first, which is making that's peak Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, they like to play for pointless crap in the Big Ten. There's no question about that. Um, but, you know, all the aesthetic, uh, aesthetically confusing trophies aside, uh, I am I am legitimately happy that this game is back where it belongs in the last week of the season. I just I really enjoy that, you know, in normal years, the Michigan Ohio State at noon and then Michigan State Penn State usually at 330. It's a fun doubleheader, usually around Thanksgiving, obviously not this year, but um, it's it's good to see. But 
Anyways, also coming up on today's show, uh, we will discuss more Michigan State football, including uh, their blowout loss to Ohio State, and look ahead to the showdown in Happy Valley. Uh, We'll also get to hoops right off the bat here, which unfortunately had a marquee game canceled this week. Um, If you could please take a moment to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to it. Um, It really helps us out, helps get... get it out there to, to see, have more people interact with us and, and listen to the pod. So if you could do that, be very much appreciated, but let's get into it. Um, Kyle, we're going to start with hoops here. Um, obviously a, a big game. The big story this week um, is Michigan state's game against Virginia was postponed. Uh, Michigan state had jumped up to number four in the standings. Virginia was 18, I think. Um, so the, the Joey Hauser versus Sam Hauser, the Hauser bowl will have to wait. Um, notably here though, both schools are saying the game is postponed and not canceled to me. That says they would like to try and reschedule this, but have you heard anything from that standpoint? I mean, obviously there's extra incentive for the brother, brother, you know, combat here. So have you heard any rumblings that the the schools want to try and reschedule this? You know, I, I haven't reached out to anybody, but what what I was waiting for, I mean, first of all, they all say postponed just as a, a matter of semantics. You know, it sounds it sounds better than canceled and, and they would like to play it. But if, if you look at how this has gone, um, the number of games that have been um, postponed, how many of them have actually gotten played again? It's it's very, very few. Um, and there was a window next week that I was kind of keeping an eye on. Michigan State is open because of finals, so they'd have to agree to play during finals week. Um, but but Virginia was also off, so there was a thought there for a second. Maybe they could try to do it like a week later, um, but then I don't know if you saw last night, which would have been Wednesday night, Virginia said um, that they're going to go ahead and, and pause for you know, an undetermined right. pound of, amount of time. So to me, that makes next week probably unlikely because you got to pause. You got to practice once or twice. Um, and if you're pausing on Wednesday, um, the idea that you're going to get in a game in a week's time probably isn't going to happen. And then for Michigan State after that, you're you're in the, in the Big Ten play. And, and I'm not sure they're going to want to, um, unless the schedule shifts, I'm not sure they're going to want to cram a, a, a Virginia game in the middle of big 10 play. So I would be surprised that nothing, I don't rule anything out in this college basketball season, especially with Tom Izzo, who would probably be more willing to do crazy things than some coaches as far as playing on short notice and, and traveling or whatnot. But uh, I would be surprised if it gets played at this point. Well, notably, they didn't replace Virginia. I mean, Michigan, we we saw their game against NC State mm-hmm. was postponed and they, they replaced them with Toledo. So, I mean, Michigan State has not hit the threshold, at least, for the amount of non-conference games they are allowed to play. And we we have seen in the past, I mean, it's rare, but we have seen in the past Michigan State have like a random non-conference game in the middle of Big Ten play. I think, didn't they play like Georgetown randomly in the middle of Big Ten play one time a couple years back? Yeah, they went, and, I mean, I mean, it happened. Yeah, it happened. It's going to depend on how motivated both sides are to do this. Um, and uh, I, I do think you brought up the Housers before. I do think that that's a significant thing, why there would be motivation to do it um, for, for both sides, and especially for Tommy Zoe. And, and I don't know how much I don't cover Virginia. I don't know how much they'd be willing to do it. But, you, it, you know, it'd come down to. Um, to finding, you know, I'd have to put those schedules up against each other and find a date. So I, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, but, and you're right, the fact that they didn't come in and immediately pull in, you know, Toledo or something um, makes it still possible. But I, I would still be surprised if it happens. 
So that that was unfortunately the game we lost last night. Um, the Big Ten ACC Challenge did go off. Uh, we also lost Wisconsin-Louisville. So three pretty good games were lost, but the Big Ten did end up winning the challenge 6-5. to five. Uh, Kyle, did you catch many of those games? I caught some of them. I had them on and off. Got, caught the end of uh, Illinois beating Duke. Uh, not sure Michigan State fans were thrilled about that one because I'm not sure how well that Duke win is going to hold up down there. Uh, I had Purdue on, thought they were cruising to a win, and then saw that final oh, score and scratched my head a little bit. Um, and then w- watched a couple of them last night while wrapping Christmas presents. But, uh, I mean, overall, I mean, a good showing from the Big Ten overall. I mean, they the ACC came back and made the final count closer, but they they won some of the big games. Um, I thought overall that uh, the Big Ten held up pretty well. Yeah, I mean, Purdue was winning by 17 against Miami. Miami didn't even have their best player. I think it was at like the 13 mark of the second half, and they lost by four. I mean, just just brutal. Uh, Northwestern also blew it last night to Pitt. But yeah, the big games, the big games were won. I mean, you know, Iowa shot the lights out against North yeah. Carolina, um, and you know, Illinois pretty much just just beat the crap out of Duke. I mean, seven guys with nine points. I just thought Indiana performed pretty well on the road at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was good to see. Maryland, not so much. 15 points at Clemson in the first half. They're really missing Anthony Cowan and Jalen Smith. I mean, they, Ayala, Wiggins, uh, you know, Marcel, they're, they're good players, but they're just not they're just not star guys who are going to carry you. I mean, I, I'm expecting a down season for Maryland um, this year, but maybe you feel differently. No, no. It, it, I think I think the top of the conference is pretty clear by now. Um, you know, I, I, Wisconsin, Iowa. Uh, Michigan State, Illinois seem like the top ones to me. Ken Palm is actually, I'm looking at Ken Palm right now. They, they like Ohio State and Michigan too. So maybe, maybe they'll surprise mm-hmm. us. But those are the four that I've liked so far. Um, as we start coming yeah. here. You have those four, and then you have like Michigan, Ohio State, Rutgers, Indiana, I think, as yeah, sort of the next second tier. tier. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, uh, anyways, this is a Michigan State podcast. Let's not talk about all those other schools. Uh, Michigan State did also have two other games uh, last week or two weeks ago or, or no, last week, a Friday and a Sunday game uh, sandwiched in between the football game. Uh, closer than expected wins against uh, Detroit Mercy and Western Michigan at the Breslin Center. Um, I have a couple things that sort of stood out to me bet- uh, from those two games, but what sort of jumped out at you? You know, I thought overall that was a positive weekend. I, I know both those games were pretty close for um, for a while. But, you know, first of all, Detroit Mercy hadn't even played. And they had transfers and they did things differently. Um, so that was tough. Western had played one game. So I think the lack of prep um, hurt Michigan State because Michigan State really relies on prep a lot uh, compared to some other teams. Um, and then I also, <laughs> Detroit Mercy, I don't know about you, but they impressed the crap out of me. I thought they were a good mm. team. I mean, I, they got Antoine Davis. Everyone knows about him, but I thought they got the complimentary pieces around him. So I didn't think there was any shame in in that performance against them. Um, in Western Michigan, they really, Joey Hauser hit those threes and really closed it out. But I, I thought that that was a, a team that, you know, really kind of learning how to win those close games. Um, I, I think it was great for Michigan State on Friday when they needed somebody to, I, to me in the second half, they needed somebody to step in there like Cassius Winston would do in years before and say, all right, I'm winning this game. We're not losing this. And Rocket Watts did that. And for him to really mm-hmm. be that guy for the first time to put a team on his back, make the shots, make all the plays. Um, that was a big step for him. Um, and then on Sunday, I thought we saw him pass a little bit more. So I really like what we saw to Rocket Watts. I think we kind of saw both sides of him that you need. You need the kind of cut your throat killer score, and then you saw the point guard 
Um, and mm-hmm. Michigan State's going to need both of those rocket watches this year. So we saw both. So that was, I think, encouraging for Michigan State. And then on Sunday, the biggest thing I saw was Joey Howard hitting threes because yeah. we heard all offseason and all last season, really, uh, when he was transferred, sitting out practicing, is how this guy could shoot at lights out, you know, um, how good he was going to be shooting the ball. And, and he really hadn't found his stroke through the early part of the season. Uh, but he was shooting with confidence, um, you know, really put Western away on Sunday. And, and when you've got a guy like that who can shoot and and who can pass from the four spot in Michigan State's offense, that that opens up a whole new world to me um, as far as, you know, I think back to when I asked Tom about this after the break. You know, we talked about when Jaron Jackson was there, the possibilities, how much spacing there is, um, how tough it is for defenses when a guy is playing that spot like Joey Howard did on Sunday. I'm not sure he's going to be able to do it every game, but – if he can find his shot and have confidence shooting that that offense, it looks totally different to me. Yeah. He he's probably Michigan state's most diverse weapon, a guy who can step outside a guy who you can throw it to him in the post. I mean, he's just a guy who can make things happen and mm-hmm. him making shots is, is huge, huge for that team because uh, you know, he's playing off the ball. He can get open, get shots. He can create mm-hmm. his own shot. I mean, he can set the screen, pick and pop. I mean, that's just big for Michigan State. Something I noticed was um, A.J. Hogarth. So, obviously, Joshua Langford, he had a little knee soreness, I think Tom said, and he didn't play against Detroit. He played against Western, so nothing serious. But Hogarth, uh, after hardly playing the first three games, he logged 19 minutes against Detroit. And one thing that I found interesting was that he was in the game at the very end. I mean, he... He was one of the five guys. Well, when that game was still close down the stretch that Tom trusted to put out there now against Western, he came back and he only played what six minutes. So did he say anything about that? Cause I'm a little bit confused about his usage so far in the season, because when he's been out there, he's seems to be a capable ball handler. You know, he hasn't scored a lot, but he, he seems to be able to, to play adequately. He doesn't really get burned on D his usage has just been interesting to me. Yeah, it, it, it had. I was surprised to see him as much. Like, I know they didn't have Langford and he was going to get some of those minutes, but I, I thought we'd see a lot more Gabe Brown in that spot. Um, mm-hmm. But it, they really went with more Hogarth than I thought. And I, I, I think they're happy with him in his decision making. I mean, he's got the size. That's the thing. Like, he's going to be able to defend. I think they like the way he defends. Um, and the, the big thing with him is he missed, I, I think, two weeks or so, like in the preseason, late in the preseason with an injury. So, I think they want to just get him game minutes and get him get him used to used to being in there. And I I, I liked what I saw. You know, I I think that he was playing. I don't know. I'm sure he played at any point when he was in there. Uh, really more off the ball. But I think that's his. He could be on the floor more doing that this year. Uh, I think between um, between Rocket, between Foster Lawyer, who's still getting decent minutes, and and even Aaron Henry, who's playing some point. Um, at this point, I I think they're set there. But I but I think if he can come off and give them good minutes. Um, and and be solid defensively and, and do what they need him to do. Maybe even not score a lot, but be a good part of the offense um, in that off-ball role. I mean, I could see him carving out some minutes there. Yeah, I mean, they had Josh Langford playing point for like two minutes against Duke. That was really bizarre. Right. Uh, but, I mean, he did have four turnovers in 19 minutes, but also four rebounds, two assists. Um, and did score four points. So, I mean, it's kind of your typical freshman, I guess, performance. But good to see him get in there. I know the fans love their shiny new toys. They like seeing Hogarth in there. And everyone's clamoring for Madi Sissoko to get more minutes. And that kind of transitions to something else that I've noticed is this center position, it's still really unsettled. I mean, Kithier's been getting the starts, but he's not really playing big minutes. 
you know, uh, they've gone small ball with Malik Collin there. Julius Marbles definitely flashed. Bingham flashed, especially against Western, I thought. And he's probably the most impactful on defense. But what what have you seen so far from the center position? We knew it was going to be a revolving door, uh, and we knew they were going to do it by committee. But who do you think should be getting the most minutes there? I, I feel like I've been waiting for years to for Marcus Bingham to just put it together and be far and away the best big man on the court for them or the best center, at least on the court, uh, because he, he's got that potential to me. I mean, you see it, you see it in spurts. He can defend really well. Um, I think he's got a lot better post moves this year. You know, some of those, some of those baby hooks, he's not doing everything fall away like he used to. Um, but he just, he can't quite put it all together, you know, but he's the one guy I look at. It's like, man, he, he seems like he should, especially by this point, be able to, be far and away the or not far away but easily the starting center for them um but it's just not quite all there yet um so past that i mean kithier is what he is nice player he's going to give you um some good minutes a game he's going to be matchup limited at times um but if if marcus bingham isn't going to run in and take this thing then then i'm looking at julius marble because i think that he's a guy who is really maximizing um his potential right now and and Obviously, at Duke, he comes off the bench, hits all five of his shots, um, has a dunk. Um, he's doing what Marcus – I mean, and, and there's not an effort thing for Marcus Bingham, but um, Julius Marble is the one who's looking a lot better. And if, if Marcus Bingham is going to leave the door open on that spot, um, I think Marble looks like a guy who's ready to come in and take that job. And, and he's not ready to play 25, 30 minutes at this point, but he, he's looking a little bit better every single game. And he's a guy that – I think throughout the course of the season could slowly kind of take a hold of that spot. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I, I can't believe Marvel was just a three-star recruit. I mean, he's on two four seven. He's listed in eighty-eight, two hundred twenty-third best player in the country. He, he got hurt. That was why he missed like a whole year because he was hurt. Okay, under probably under recruited then right. because of that. Um, not by Tom. Tom didn't give up. He, when when he sees a guy he likes, he goes at him. Well, the, the story with Marble is um, is that they, that was the year where they were looking for one guy to, to plug into a lineup and win a national champion, right? Chip, right? So they went for Vernon Carey. They missed. They went for Trace Jackson Davis, went to Indiana eventually. He's doing very well there. Uh, missed on him. And they went to the Isaiah. Kid in Washington. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the now Detroit Piston, uh, Isaiah Stewart, yeah. and missed on him. And those dudes were all like top 20. Um, and, and they were selling all those guys on like, hey, we got one open roster spot right now on a team that could win a national title or one open starting spot, I should say. Um, and I was surprised they didn't get any one of those. So Julius Marble, not to take anything away from him, but he was like plan D. They didn't even know who he was until like December of that year. Um, and then they heard, you know, through somebody through the grapevine about this kid in Texas who was good, but got hurt, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's funny how it works out because um, he may end up being a very, very good college player. But they, they really only only realized who he was because they missed out on all the McDonald's All-Americans first. Yeah. And, and similarly to with Mati Sissoko, you can see like his teammates whenever he does something good on the court. Everyone's like, oh, that's big Jew. That's Jew. Like, yeah. you know, they're just like this guy. Like, you can tell that his teammates know what he's capable of and that he is slipping under the radar right now. So maybe he's the answer. And maybe maybe that we won't get an answer this year. Maybe we will just be a revolving door of, well, this guy's playing better this night, so he's going to get more minutes. Or this guy's playing better this night, or he'll get more minutes. So They, they did that uh, at the four last year. I didn't think it – I mean, it wasn't ideal, but I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think it held back the team a whole lot. Um, I think you'd want a guy, but don't force a guy into there if it's not there. 
You know, don't don't pick one of them and say, okay, uh, we need you to go out and play 25. Uh, if nobody separates, then then just make the best of it. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's uh, just our brief uh, recap. I mean, those games happened a couple days ago, so or last week, and it was a bummer not to get that Virginia game because. Uh, that was going to be a fun matchup. Maybe it wouldn't have been the most aesthetically pleasing <laughs> game with two really rock solid defensive games. But this is twice now that Michigan State spo- was supposed to play at Virginia in their and the, and it's gotten foiled. Like it got canceled at halftime way back in 2001 when they were playing at Virginia because the ice underneath the floor like was causing the court to be slippery. And now 20 years later, it gets canceled because of COVID. So maybe they're just not meant to play in Virginia. Maybe they just need to play at the Breslin Center. That's my solution, uh, at least. <laughs> well, so. well, Tony, Tony Bennett probably he had a sigh of relief too because I was looking back at it this week. He lost to Michigan State in the NCAA tournament when he was a player at Green Bay. Then he went and joined his dad at Wisconsin and lost, I think, four out of six, including the 2000 year when they lost him at the final four and played four times and lost all four. And then he goes, has great teams in 14 and 15 and loses to Michigan State in the tournament both times. Um, it's fine. Everyone focuses on, you know, Tom and his, Tom Izzo and his woes to uh, Coach K. But um, Izzo is Tony Bennett's Coach K. So um, there might have been a little sigh of relief in Charlottesville this week. Mm-hmm. No news about Coach K this week, right? <laughs> no, he uh, he definitely <laughs> kept his mouth shut and stayed out of the news. <laughs> we're not I, getting no, into that. No, we're not. <laughs> Other than I agree with him, he just has poor timing. But anyway, we, we we'll move on. To- <laughs> we can have that discussion, but maybe not right now. Maybe some other time. Uh, we got to get to football here. Michigan State's next game is Sunday. They take on Oakland, and then they'll have a week off uh, before you mentioned the finals week before they take on uh, Northwestern in Evanston on Sunday, December twentieth. But let's shift gears to football here, Michigan State. Um, Matt, uh, Matt, you're still here, right? Yeah, but you th- you started you mentioned football, and then you said their next game is Sunday against Oakland. And I started wondering what the oh, hell am I doing shoot. this weekend? Where did I where <laughs> where do I think I'm going? And Oakland has a football program. Anyways. That's a host error. Host error on that one. My bad. The basketball team plays Oakland, and then they're at Evanston next Sunday. The football team lost to Ohio State, uh, fifty-two to twelve, which is almost what I predicted didn't quite land, but I was in the ballpark. That was last Saturday. Uh, we'll briefly talk about that. And then the, also the game at Penn state, but Matt, uh, just briefly, do you have any sort of reactions or takeaways from the Ohio state game? I mean, we knew this was going to be a tough one for Michigan state and uh, that proved to be correct. Uh, yeah, I was nowhere close on the score prediction. I thought that uh, <laughs> Michigan state would uh, keep it somewhat close. Uh, that did not happen. It was uh dominating, uh, Performance by Ohio State start to finish. That was without, what was it, 23 players and 17 scholarship guys or whatever the whatever the case was. Three starting linemen. Three starting offensive linemen. Uh, but Justin Fields was there, and he just made it look really easy, and Michigan State made everything look really hard. Go back to that first snap of the game. Uh, you've had all week to prepare, and your very first offensive play of the game the quarterback turns to hand the ball off one way, the running back's on his other side, and it's a busted play. And that pretty much summed it up from the, for them from the start. Um, no, I mean, I mean, Ohio, Ohio State's a great football team. You know, they're obviously one of the best in the country. But, uh, you know, another another case of Michigan State playing a game that's, that's over at halftime, and that is the third time that's happened this season. So, um, once again, uh, Mel Tucker's search for uh, consistency in in performance is not there, and neither was complimentary football. So uh, back to the drawing board. I thought 
I thought the defense did its best, at least early on, to try and contain Ohio State. I mean, in the run game, they, they did well against the running backs, at least early on. But Justin Fields just kept burning them with his legs. I mean, how many third downs did he pick up early in the game? He burned them on the, the first touchdown. I mean, 13 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns for Justin Fields, um, 10 for 112 for Trey Sermon. Most of that came on one run. Uh, Master Teague was they did well against him, 14 carries for 46 yards, um, but the, the weapons on the outside. I mean, this team is just loaded on offense, and Michigan State's defense, especially with the young guys in the secondary and young guys all, all over the place, they just – it was pretty much what I expected. They, they couldn't hang with them. I mean, Ohio State just has elite athletes all over the field. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, you know, they didn't generate much rushing up the middle, um, but, I mean, how many plays did you see a breakdown in Justin Fields – just dances a little bit one way or the other, and they don't have anybody that is either that is quick enough or athletic enough to contain him on the edge. I mean, you saw the play where Sermon ran for the uh, I think it was yeah it was the Sermon touchdown run, where there is only where it's Trey Person is the only one for Michigan State trying to make a play down the field, and the only other person in the frame is somehow Justin Fields who <laughs> catches up to him and was probably a you know a block in the back and and drills person out of bounds and like wait how the hell did that happen where did this guy come from how did your quarterback beat everybody else down the field i don't know it's a compliment to uh, justin fields and his uh his talent and his athleticism but uh yeah michigan state does not have a justin fields all right, we also saw Peyton Thorne get into the game again, and he he performed pretty well. Uh, I mean, all, all things considered, 16 for 25, 147 yards. He did have the one interception. Uh, also ran the ball 9 for 42 in a touchdown. Um, fans want Peyton Thorne to start. We just, Rocky doesn't appear to be the future of Michigan State football. He has had his moments, uh, most notably against Northwestern and Michigan, um, but he misses open passes. I I'm not feeling Rocky. I'd like to see the future. Um, where do you come down on that, Matt? Um, well, I mean, Lombardi just hasn't been consistent, much like the rest of the team. And, you know, it's just, he didn't give him a chance to win early. And, and you know, he obviously got hurt in the in the second quarter with about a little less than five minutes to go. And, you know, when he hit his head on the ground getting sacked. You know, I thought – I thought Thorne did, um, he did some things that were impressive. Uh, completing your first 11 passes always helps. Um, but, you know, you got to also remember, by the time he gets in the game, it's 28 to nothing. You know, Ohio State can sit back and play a little soft if it needs, if it wants to. Um, so, I mean, he enters another game where, you know, it's basically over. But, you know, he did enough with his arm and his legs to give, to provide some sort of, of hope that there's something there. Um, and, you know, you can you can definitely make the case that that he uh, deserves a shot at, at starting and actually you know getting in the game from the beginning when you're not getting thrown in there when it's already a four score deficit. Um, yeah, you know I don't know. I, I think there's a decent chance he starts on Saturday. Um, but you know what 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 does he show in practice? You know there's got to be a reason why why the coaching staff has continued to start uh, Labardi over him. Um, so I'll be curious to see what that is. I'll be curious to see uh, you know if he does get the start, how he's able to perform and. and you know, he's going to be going against a team that's been pretty good defensively recently. Matt, Matt my my guess, and, and obviously I don't see practice, you don't see practice, but the, the deep ball looks like it's been so important to the offense. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think I've seen that a little bit better from Rocky than Peyton, although Peyton yeah. hasn't had as much opportunity to show it. But do but you think that's part of the reason why they're maybe sticking with Rocky longer than maybe some, some other fans would like? 
Yeah, I and mean, I've made that point. I don't somewhere else and at times, you know, that, you know, obviously when you look at that offense, what has been the highlight this year? It's been just, you know, chucking it deep because the run game has been, you know, other than uh, the Northwestern game, the run game has been terrible. And so the highlight has been the deep ball. And it seems, you know, Rocky's got a strong arm. And, you know, I remember they when he was a freshman or I think it was, his, you know, maybe his true freshman year, they were saying he had the strongest arm in the team. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he maybe he's better at that in practice and they see that as their best weapon. But um, when you're three for or five for 11 for 33 yards and a pick uh, and nothing's working downfield and nothing's working, uh, you know, intermediate, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't take any any real shots uh, against Ohio State. I, you know, memory serves me of the biggest vertical uh, passing attempt. I think was after the turnover. Um, if I remember right, uh, when Thorne, I think first play throws for uh, Naylor and he he leads him too far and, and great pick by uh, by uh, Wade. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just like, you know, at least, I mean, I think we've all said it at some point this year, this year's kind of a wash. We're looking more for signs. We're looking more for things that you can build on for subsequent seasons and playing Rocky Lombardi goes against that, goes against that in my eyes, because he hasn't shown that he's going to be the quarterback of the future. And I just think that at this point, you might as well play the young guy. But what do I know? I'm just a stupid guy on a podcast. So uh, (laughs) I mean, he's he's not a senior though. I mean, I mean. If he looked no, really good, you got another year out of him. Yeah, yeah, but he I mean, looked tec- good. <laughs> technically, he has two more years. Well, not technically, right. he does yeah. have two more years of eligibility left. So, right, because you know, if they think he's the, yeah. if they think he's the guy, and you can think you can build around him, you got this year and two more to do it, or or go in a different direction. And there are obviously plenty of different ways they could go. Well, uh, pretty pretty uh, big statement win for Ohio State. They pretty much handled Michigan State in every way, and now they will be playing the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern uh, in a couple of weeks, which is I'm a whole sure. other topic that I don't want to get into. <laughs> Go ahead, Kyle. What were you saying? Uh, just that I'm shocked. Go ahead. Oh, you're shocked. Yeah. Uh, anyways, let's move on. Michigan State's uh, last scheduled game is at Happy Valley against Penn State, as we alluded to, the battle for the land-grant trophy. We found out today that no matter what happens, Michigan State is going to look fantastic because Mel Tucker, man of the people, got Gruff Sparty on the helmets. Matt, I know you're not near as excited about this as I am, but as far as I'm concerned, the Spartans could lose 45-7, to and I would be happy. Yeah, I mean, uh, the fans have obviously been asking for the the gruff Sparty thing. So uh, if they're excited by it, and that's what you know sells a few sells some bucks and merchandise along the way, by all means, go for it. Doesn't matter to me. Um, I will say, it seems like the reaction is a lot more positive than the neons. Uh, the re the uh, recruits are watching, and some of those recruits that were on the on the fence, they're they're seeing that gruff Sparty swag, and they're like, "Oh, well, that solves it." I'm screw Temple. I'm going to Michigan State. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, they play Penn State this weekend. Penn State won last year, twenty eight to seven. Michigan State does lead the all time series, seventeen sixteen to one. James Franklin is in his seventh season at Penn State. He's got a fifty seven and twenty eight record. Um, this game, you know, not a ton on the line, two teams that are other than that glorious trophy, of course, two teams that aren't really going anywhere. I'd like to see Peyton Thorne get the start, but what will you be, what will you be looking for in this game, Matt? Well, that's obviously where it starts. Um, you know, you know who's the quarterback is, is, is Rocky, are they, you know, do they keep Rocky in the spot? Do they go with Thorne? Is, is Rocky even available? 
you know, and if, you know, given the nature of the injury last week, who knows? Mel said he was, you know, on Tuesday, Mel said he was doing better uh, on Monday, but we'll see. So if, if, you know, there's a chance that maybe if Rocky isn't even in uniform, then you got, you know, your top two quarterbacks are, are uh, Peyton Thorne, Theo Day, and, and you'd probably be dressing uh, Noah Kim as a true freshman on the road. So, uh, yeah, there. And then, you know, it's the same thing over and over with Michigan State each week. Can they actually run, you know, once you get beyond quarterback, can they actually run the ball? Do they still turn the ball over a ton like they have been? Because those have been the downfalls and the losses. I think they're plus, I think they're plus three turnover margin in their two wins and minus 12 in, in their losses. Um, the, the offense is on track for its worst season since 1991. Uh, that'll tell you plenty. Uh, but, and you know, look at Penn State, you know, give them credit. They start 0 and 5. First time in program history they do that. Um, they've won their last two games, and they've done it with mostly with defense. Uh, and then you have to be impressed with the you know they lose. Uh, was it Journey Brown? You know your your top running back coming back. At, you know unfortunate situation where he has to medically retire. And then your your guy behind that Noah Kane, uh, season ending injury. I think the first series of the season or whatever that was and you've got and the guy behind him yeah and then you, <laughs> Devin Ford got yeah, hurt. and then you you see so you're stuck with what what do you got four and five on the depth chart and they've run for more than 200 yards what four times this season i think so um yeah i mean that's you know that's impressive i know they've had some issues at quarterback um but you know back-to-back uh wins against michigan and Rutgers, so uh they're they're at least headed in the right direction in a an otherwise bad season Let's not feel too bad for him. Kevon Lee, who is who they started, is a four-star recruit. So, I mean, they've got four-star recruits at fourth on their depth chart in the running back room. So, I mean, they've got talent. But, yeah, I mean, let's get – they do deserve credit for bouncing back because they easily could have folded up the chairs and said, screw this season. Um, that's a credit to James Franklin. I For some reason, I expect a competitive game. Michigan State always seems to, to, to play Penn State relatively tough, especially when people don't – expect much from the Spartans, you know, famously a couple years ago, the, you know, the Brian Lewerke like pass to Felton Davis. And uh, that was a shocking win. Um, we've seen them upset Penn state before. So I'm actually somewhat optimistic that maybe Michigan state can come in and, and be in a competitive game with Penn state. You won't have the crazy whiteout fans there. So they won't have to deal with that. Um, so I'm hoping for a competitive game and, and who knows what's going to happen next week. This could be the last game of the year. I, anytime a game goes off, I'm like, well, maybe that's the last game of the year. So oh, I'm, I'm hoping Mel Tucker can get these guys up for this game because I think it could be big going into for momentum's sake. As we talk about a program that's building a win here on the road at Penn State, I think it could go a long way. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you if your season can include wins at, at Michigan and Penn State fans or no, I mean, that's something you, you would take. And, and yeah, they've, you know, the 17 and 18 games, Michigan State was, you know, like double digit underdogs, if I remember right, both times Penn State was a top 10 team. And, you know, the 17 game was wild because of the delay. And then in 18, it was just the classic one of those Mark D'Antonio hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, you can't put them away. And they get the ball back with a minute left to go or less than a minute to go. And all of a sudden, score and you're sitting there and you're like what the hell is that what just what just happened here and you get you know the stunned James Franklin look and 110,000 or however many people they sit there go go silent um but yeah I, I don't I think I think they can they can keep it game this game close but you know you look at the way Penn State's defense been playing uh especially last week I guess against Rutgers um and the way Michigan State has has struggled to move the ball and uh, that will be a challenge 
Well, either way, they're going to look good doing it. But uh, <laughs> Kyle, did you have any thoughts on this game and give us a prediction? Uh, only that um, one of the most things I'm looking forward, I would be looking forward to most after COVID is going into the football building and seeing the Land Grant Trophy once again. Um, <laughs> That 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 yes. would that would mean that the pandemic's truly over for me. But um, in all seriousness, uh, I've liked how Penn State obviously started terrible, but I like the way they've been playing. I, I agree with you. I give them a lot of credit for um, for turning it around. I mean, it would have been easy to to pack it in, um, and and just the way the momentum's been um, for both these teams, I I, I would think um, I would think Penn State will win by a couple touchdowns. I'd say twenty eight to ten. That's right in line with the spread. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm picking the Spartans. Give me give me Michigan State 24-21 on the road at Penn State. Uh, Gruff, the power of Gruff Sparty is going to carry them to victory. What do you say, Matt? Uh, I picked uh, Penn State 27-17, and I spent about eight seconds making that pick. <laughs> my picks, doesn't matter. They've been horrible this year. I haven't, you know. Other than the, I've, I've, I'm in first place against the spread in, our, in the Big Ten games overall, but my uh, Michigan State scores have uh, not been not been good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what is good, Gruff Sparty. I can't wait. I'm so happy that he's on the helmets. I want to see it on a white helmet. I feel like that would look real. Sick. I've, I've real seen sick. that. I've seen that version sent along uh, on Twitter. So and you uh, love it. That's not, it's not bad. It's uh you know it's again whatever the fans want. Who cares? So uh, <laughs> yeah, and then you know after obviously uh, after this week it's uh, it's recruiting week. So. Big things ahead. Yeah, and we were going to talk on recruiting and how Mel's been talking about the transfer portal, but I think we're running long here, so let's save that for next pod. I think it'll fit in there. Um, so, so let's do that. We gotta, we gotta get out of here. But uh, the game's at three thirty on is it ABC or ESPN? One of yes, the two, yeah. or is ESPN. it Fox? ESPN. ESPN. Okay, so three thirty on ESPN. Um, good time slot. I love that. Love, love that time slot. Um, I know you're a big fan of the noon games, but uh, I like three thirty. Gives me a little time to get up and get lubricated and uh, uh, you know feeling good before the game uh, because that's what you have to do when you're watching Michigan State football this year. You have to be a little bit um, buzzed. I'm just gonna say it. You just do. Uh, I'm sorry you guys don't get to do that. You get to cover the game, but I need to be a little bit buzzed. So uh, 3.30 gives you time to do that, but we appreciate you listening, everyone. Um, send us some questions if you want on the Twitter. Send uh, Matt's uh, nice little fancy text uh, service that you can get and follow all our coverage on MLive.com. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to the game. Hopefully Peyton Thorne gets the start, um, but at least Gruff Sparty will look there. It's the battle for the land grant trophy from happy valley in pennsylvania michigan state penn state we will look forward to it so uh matt kyle thanks for thanks as always uh everyone thanks for listening and until next time go green